0: Hello and welcome back to Xenophiles. This is season 2 episode 2 of Xenophiles, talking about episode four, 4, a.k.a. the Chode Less I'm, I'm T. Casey, joined by Mike Andronico. How are you doing today, Mike?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Um, yeah, it's the first time in a while doing uh, it feels nice having a, a, a TV show you repeatedly come back to for the first time on the show. It's very different. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> currently just thawing out from this New York cold uh, that we're dealing with right now. It's just walking the dog. Um, But you know what? I got some coffee in me. I got John Cena on the brain. And
0: uh, yeah, ready to keep the peace, as it were. Yeah, peace. Keep it. Um, But as we start the show today, I sort of want to go over a little bit of research because the end of the last episode, I, I don't know if there's a Wikipedia corner this week, but the end of the last episode brought up an interesting question that this week started out with can you walk without a pinky toe? And I did some research and yeah, no vigilante's dead ass wrong. Um, uh, Dr. Anne Holly Johnson, uh, interviewed, but uh, I don't, sorry, an instructor in orthopedic surgery at Harvard medical school told popular science that if you think born, being, if you're born without a pinky toe or have an accident or through, you can completely do everything you wanted to do. And, um, I just got a notification, so I am concerned what that is about. Uh, but I am going to assume everything is okay, um, because I can't see what that notification is. And if I close Discord or do something different, you're going to disappear. So, um, Mike, anything to report to us today from Mike Andronico's Wiki Corner? Yeah, not not a whole ton. I think I think worth
1: noting is that uh, episode four, uh, the Chode Less Traveled, which is incredible name. Uh, the first episode in the series not directed by James Gunn. This was directed by
0: Jody Hill, who I'm not very familiar with. Uh, I did this some is the first... uh, research actually about Jody Hill cuz I the name was familiar cuz Jody Hill made his debut and made his name on a movie called The Foot Fist Way. Oh, yeah. Um and uh famous for the show, for the TV show Eastbound and Down and currently executive producer on another HBO Max original The Righteous Gemstones, which is really good okay. and y'all should that watch. it.
1: That makes I think that makes him a perfect fit for the series. Uh, another just, and yeah, the only other really tidbit quick tidbit of info I had, uh, still riding really high on rotten tomatoes. I don't know if the score has changed, but as of right now, 94% tomato meter, 85% audience score. So peacemaker E4 still, still doing very well
0: out there in the, the world of critical consensus. Exactly. Um, and, I noticed something weird this episode. I'm just going to bring it up now. Did Did you notice the obvious reshoots? No. I don't know if it was a CGI background or what, but everything about the scenes um, outside of the jail with Adebayo mm. and Vigilante, the background is so bokeh to an extreme blurry effect that I was like, and also the, the scale of, vigilante's body on the background <laughs> like go back and watch it it's weird like there is you could you you almost feel like you're watching something on green screen um mm. and this might be because um after shooting five and a half episodes they had to recast vigilante really so the actor wow. Chris, yeah, the actor Chris Conrad, who I believe is older than John Cena, or at least visually older than John Cena by a noticeable amount, was the original vigilante, but reportedly left after "quote unquote" creative differences. Um, I so I guess Tony Khan said he didn't like his wrestling, but um, no, it's uh, yeah, uh, and that's and then you have this new um vigilante show who is younger than Cena, um. And it's a very interesting change. And I think they probably had to change up the relationship of the two characters in a little way because of that.
1: It's really funny. You mention that because one of my, we'll we'll get into just kind of high level thoughts right now. One of of my big takeaways from this episode is this really felt like vigilante's breakout episode. And this was the episode that made me fall in love with that character. Um, He had so many great moments and, and great uh, story beats so yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that Freddie Stroma ended up being the one to play this character because I think he's doing a great job.
0: Yeah, uh, this was definitely a Freddie Stroma joint episode. Uh, but also I, I there's a lot of, I think John Cena, this was a no, yet another, like he might have seen stolen from him, but he's not going to have his show taken from him. Uh, no. He's, uh, yeah. Um, so the other thing about this episode for me is I think we have to talk about The elephant or the butterfly in the room up front, because Mm. did you watch this episode twice like I did? Uh, I did not. Okay, if I had to watch it back because the ending of the episode, watching the episode, knowing the ending was Mm. the biggest, like the sixth sense fuckery that I've had in a while. Yeah, Um, because at the end of the episode, we find out that Mern is, in fact, also a butterfly. (gasps) <gasps> which i kind of yeah shocker right i mean i i i always i, I knew
1: i knew something was up with Murren. like he seemed just a little too little too stoic a little too there's something about him that seemed otherworldly that he wasn't just an ordinary dude thought you know maybe he was a martian manhunter maybe he was something else but uh i was yeah, i was not it was a very very cool ending and i definitely was like oh oh shit but i didn't not the biggest shock i was shocked <laughs> Yeah, like, I thought, I don't know, I thought, you know, because I, I forgot, maybe it was episode one or two, when they were talking about, like, he had, he never expressed an emotion, or he had, he had this very, uh, you know, he had this weird way of, of expressing himself compared to the others. And I thought that was to purposely throw us off. I thought, I thought Mern, you know, I thought they made Mern a little suspect in the beginning to purposely uh, confuse us and, 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 and make us forget about who, who might be the actual butterflies, but... Yeah, he, he is a butterfly, which I'm not totally surprised about, but that definitely throws
0: uh, a big wrinkle into things for our, our crew going forward. Because they're trying to kill the butterflies and they have one in there. And this makes me wonder, are there renegade butterflies? Are there right. two yeah. factions of butterflies at battle and he's a bad butterfly, an evil butterfly and like what we might be learning is that the, like the ones on the other side of the divide or like, cause G- uh, G- yeah. or whatever the hell to it, but like, G- like you G- Matt makes me think that they're good butterflies.
1: Yeah, it's very possible, And it's interesting. Cause like, uh, Mern is ostensibly the leader of this task force. Um, so it does, does Amanda Waller know he's a butterfly? Like wh- how deep does this go? But, uh, that was an interesting tidbit, but I definitely, just some overall thoughts I wanted to share about this episode. This was a really interesting one for me. I feel like it's the slowest episode we've gotten so far, and definitely not in a bad way. I think this was us uh, kind of taking a step back, recovering from the chaos and the big climax of Episode 3. I also think this was the darkest episode so far, uh, and got, things got a lot more serious. I think we, we spent a lot of time delving into peacemakers relationship with his father um we got some flashbacks that were were really telling and really poignant um and with all that said you know still plenty of very hilarious moments as we'll get into um not a ton of action this episode though i did enjoy the little bit of peacemaker versus judo master that we got um so a a good episode overall definitely i it was kind of the slower more serious episode i think
0: we needed at this point to kind of keep the story going yeah I agree. Um, it also just like set up some weird little things. Um, so at one point we learned that a gorilla has been stolen or is missing <laughs> at the local zoo, which makes me think that's gonna show up at a plot point. Like I don't think James Gunn puts that in a pro because he wrote the episode. I don't think that happens without it being a re- a returning thing. But um, the title of the episode is actually sort of just a <laughs> reference to just what we later learn, in that it's sort of the theme of the show, in that John Cena's Peacemaker is gonna grow as a human being over time. He's not; he might be um he might be a butt baby at the start. He's of a grower. The he's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, he might have been a butt baby in Suicide Squad, but he's he might be a full. He might be a quasi human by the end of this thing. um but the episode starts um with a lot of the reaction to what happened last time as we said vigilante is concerned about his pinky toe um Mm -hmm. leota adabayo is very much in her feelings about the um her inability to um was that yeah she just the the job basically fire the fire the gun kill a a guy she has a dude yeah her and um hardcore have an argument and that was the part of the episode that made me less sure about my conspiracy theory that Adebayo is some sort of secret, like beyond the fact that we know that she's a a Waller's secret daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. But it made me a little bit less certain. But um, I do think later on when she shoots Judo Master, almost like dead, like target practice in the chest, that made me think, oh, so she does know something to cover up. So there is that. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite line in the beginning of the episode was, don't fuck with John Economos, motherfucker. Yes. Oh, it was so good.
1: Um, yeah, there were so many little moments. Even I, right before uh, the van scene, just even before the intro credits, they're all discussing what happened. Um, and then Judo Master starts waking up, and they all point their guns at him. It was just one of those great, like, visual moments. It was, you know, a James Gunn classic. Um, but yeah, a couple of highlights for me. I mean, yeah, like I said before, just everything vigilante did this episode that back and forth with him and peacemaker the if it walks like a duck exchange (laughs) yeah you might know the line better than i do but he's like you know if it walks like a duck and it totally goes over peacemaker's head and he says uh why would a human wear a duck suit their sizes are totally incompatible uh just
0: just very hilarious right off the bat no, just the, all, the amazing passive-aggressive conversation where you don't even know if Vigilante's being passive-aggressive on purpose. Like, yeah. The thing about the Peacemaker, uh, if you don't know the Vigilante's being passive-aggressive on purpose, because as Peacemaker says in the episode, you know, he's a little cuckoo. Um, like, it's... Because th- th- that whole... The entire, the entire insertion of Vigilante into the show, mm-hmm. at first you think, oh, this is a character to help Peacemaker seem a little less dumb. But at the same time, it's also a character to help Peacemaker grow, because it gives him, like, a little brother. Yeah. And we later learn that he had a big brother, it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it looked like he killed J- it did Am I right, or did Peacemaker kill Joss Whedon? That looked like... That scene in that flashback, that looked oh. like... Um, there could that, that guy looked suspiciously like Jos Whedon to me. I'm hoping that the, the, the DC that, EU is eradicating. Fun, uh, um,
1: yeah, <laughs> that'd be a pretty fun subtle jab. Damn, yeah. I didn't know James. I
0: know he had heat with James. Yeah. Tom, but, um, <laughs> um But uh, the, the passive aggressiveness between Vigilante and Peacemaker, when there is like Vigilante, like, yeah, it was really great that you let me grow by being um, tortured and being in excruciating pain. You didn't act like you didn't care about it at all. That was really, thank you. I was like. Yeah. It was like the amazingness of trying to figure out who's actually acting in that. Yep. Like, who's, like who's putting on airs, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. But then we get home, and we still haven't learned this person's name, to my knowledge, but Peacemaker's uh, Peacemaker's dad's passive-aggressive neighbor. Oh, my God. The, the best, <laughs> Probably the best scene in the episode. Yeah. Because, Mike, do you have a coterie of supervillains?
1: uh i don't because that they're all six feet in the fucking ground that was that oh that whole exchange was went from not only was it hilarious it really made me love peacemaker because yeah that line of what yeah when he said you know long story short the old man the old neighbor from the the first episode calling out uh peacemaker saying basically saying why are you not more like that man but yeah he said why don't you have a cadre of supervillains? and Peacemaker basically responds saying they're all six feet in the ground. until so it was just the coldest line. But then he goes on to, like, they go on to have kind of a genuine discussion about Batman, and Peacemaker is just making all
0: the logical points that we do as fans. Um, like, saying like, Batman should yeah, no, kill these yeah. guys because he's just letting them kill other people. How many people is Batman responsible for, responsible for the deaths of? And it's, yeah, exactly. James Gunn has clearly had, like, Either done a little bit of Reddit research or just had his own history of like his own opinions about characters that he's feeding in through the show. Um, mm-hmm. but I have my own coterie of supervillains depression, anxiety, the Google algorithm, other wrestling fans, and my metabolic rates. Um, I was that was my other <laughs> my, uh, my other idea for the open for this episode with a cold open was so Mike, tell me about your coterie of supervillains. But, um, a- another piece of foreshadowing in this whole part of the episode is when Vigilante and Peacemaker go inside of the... um, And Peacemaker explains the science logic behind the Infinity Room, as I'll call it from now. Mm -hmm. Um, But Vigilante notices the the gap in the white dragon armor. Vigilante noticed gaps where the fabric or whatever wasn't meeting in the white dragon armor. And it was a really interesting, like... Because later in the episode, Vigilante sort of is, like, about to try to take on and kill uh, Augie. Yes. But um, Which... <laughs> he, he's also prepared. He's, like, they're setting up round two of that in the whole Augie. Like, if Vigilante knows how where to stab mm-hmm. with the white dragon, it's an interesting gambit. Yeah. And just, so, yeah, so just to, like... Take a step
1: back and get into some other scenes I really love. So obviously, kind of the whole crux of this episode is that uh Augie's in jail now, uh, which Chris didn't know about until he went home and, and realized that uh you know the, the Argus team took him to jail. So that leads to some really fun exchanges. I think Atabayo and Peacemaker had some really great moments in the car where he's like, I'm not gonna kill my dad because I love him. He's like, My dad, I both hate crime, and he makes me stuff. And yeah, then we get, you know, Peacemaker visits. Augie in prison. That's where we get the title of this episode from, because uh, he, he, <laughs> Peacemaker gives the, fate, the great, like, I'm a grower, not a shower line, and Augie calls him out for comparing himself to a chode, uh, to which later, we pick that back up later, because Adebayo's like, oh, I think you're the good kind of chode. So, just a lot of fun. It's both very very heartfelt and very fun, because we're learning about just Peacemaker's insecurity and his very troubled relationship with his dad and wanting to be loved and accepted, but he's also doing it by comparing himself to a small
0: penis so uh, i think it's it's the kind of thing that james gunn does does best like peacemaker like augie says i should have killed you when you came out of your mother i think he like he said something like that he said like ridiculously evil heinish and like and and it it seems like the we don't know much about the brother yet but it seems like that's the son that
1: augie actually loved
0: yeah um, if i'm not mistaken it sort of seems like i should have I made the wrong decision on who to choose kind of situation here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then um, while peace, while Peacemaker and Adebayo are, no, sorry. While Peacemaker is talking to his father, he goes to visit him in jail. Cause he's, mm. why did you put my, um, when, while we have a conversation between vigilante and Adebayo, which is the thing I was talking about earlier, like seriously, Go back and watch this. I like, especially when the camera is just on Vigilante. The perspective and ratio seems, or at least the obvious bokeh effect on the background. The green screening is weird. Um, but Mm. out of uh, Vigilante has all of this fake voice and walk bit of trying to hide the fact that he is. Oh my god. It was, And it was such a great continuation of his bit from the last episode where he was
1: trying to change his face so no one would see. So now he was doing the same thing with his voice. And, of course, was like, no, I know it's you. Um, but that leads to a really important conversation because that that's where um, Adebayo, you know, basically says, like, I, I just wish, I wish Augie was dead. Like, I, w- I, I think peace. you know, she's saying, I think Chris is a good guy. But as long as his father is around, you know, he's always going to be held back by that. And that plants, I think, the idea in Vigilante's brain
0: to do what he ends up doing uh, later
1: in the episode.
0: Yeah, Peacemaker be only, can only be good if his father wasn't here somehow. And <laughs> She's in a very,
1: in a very like innocent out of bio way of like trying to find a really nice way to say, "Let's kill this guy."
0: But Myrn is like obviously like, It's like, you know, you're manipulating him, and it's it's probably obvious because it's obvious to us, the audience, at least. Yeah, um, but and so we basically uh, Myrne gets really upset when he finds out about that he's like we were already we 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 um like vigilante's gone inside the jail what if he gets killed Rory? we're, we're going to be down another man trying to and what if what, what happens when peacemaker learns that we tried to get his dad killed like we're going to we we're, it's going to yeah. be the four of us cuz he calls them What was it? Um, He refers to the group as like, um, uh, I don't know, the um, the Apple gang or something. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a really old reference and Economist sort of points that out. But um, it's very weird in that um, it's just sort of like, oh, um, this is a misfits team, basically, is what they're calling. Yeah, they must
1: be some kind of Suicide Squad is, is what I'm saying. But, uh, so it, one, you know, as, as, you know, as things progress, so we, you know, we, we, we get that exchange between Argus and, and we're setting all this stuff up with bio and, and what, what they're going to do about White Dragon. Um, uh, quick, shortly after that, you know, Economos is just checking, uh, goes to check out Judo Master and lo, lo and behold, our little, uh, little Judo Master has escaped, uh, uh, which leads to a, uh. A quick little fight between the two of them in a parking lot, uh,
0: which I thought was really fun, but it gets ended pretty abruptly because what happens, Henry? Well, this is a big rematch. Peacemaker was going to win that <laughs> fight, um, and but he doesn't <laughs> get a chance to uh, because Adabayo um, just point blank. But it's funny because like it's all Peacemaker is very Cena in this part because he's like very excited to finally get his revenge, and it's he's walking on a parking lot looking for him. And he finally finds Judo uh, Master, but before that, um, I have to say it, we it all happens because Judo Master gets breaks loose of his like confines or whatever. But it's really funny because uh Akonimos uh, doesn't know where he mm-hmm. is, and he gets to jump on Akonimos. And then when Adebayo and Peacemaker find out, they're on a she's on a call with Akonimos, and she yells, "Cobra Kai's got out." <laughs> i love that nickname nickname because i've never seen a karate kid movie or i'm i only saw three ninjas and it's probably because of three ninjas is why i don't take cobra kai seriously i think but um i'm never going to watch a cobra kai and i it's sort of like one of those like i think why i think a lot of us um i'm not going to name names here have just decided we're not going to watch shows that are popular that other people try to pressure them into watching um but it, yeah, it, it I don't know why thing. I don't know why people are I don't know why people are like that, but people are I'm bad. Um sure. uh, it's really weird and mean. Um but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's um so basically you have this whole bit where like it's they're really worried about um they gotta stop him because he's escaped and Economos is like yeah. bloody nosed and destroyed and like it's they get and uh Judo Master makes a jump from a, a top of a truck onto Peacemaker, and it's very much like a Cobra Kai show, like a kid's karate yes. show or something. It's very, it's very yep. funny in that way. And they start fighting, and, like, Judo Co- P- Master makes a weird rip on Peacemaker, like, calling his body very bony-looking or something. Yep, yep. I forgot what the exact words were, but it's, um, it was very odd. odd. Um, but then... He's a he's about to he's a, it looks it looks maker could get the win, yeah. Out of the out of work with with the glock out of the or the RMK I and, and just pl- plugs one in him, and, and peace a judo master goes down for the count, and um piece And goes, I like you said, yeah. I had it's him. like you said, Henry. Yeah. That's the funniest part. It's not that he's... He's not upset that... Oh, because uh, Judo, Judo Master, Master is dead. about to say, there's something different about the butterflies. They're not what you yes. think they are. So that's crucial. I'm, I shouldn't be feeling yes. that.
1: But I love that. I, Peacemaker's not upset about, you know, Judo Master dying and losing that information. He literally is just upset that he that was he lost his... You know, he didn't get his rematch. He didn't get to finish his rematch, uh, as you pointed out, which was so on character for him. Uh, then <laughs> Chris starts explaining how you could... Uh, you could keep
0: yourself alive with your kidney if, you, if your heart stops beating. <laughs> athletes, <laughs> when their hearts shot, their athletes move their kidneys around.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is just the most absurd, nonsensical thing, which, of course, Autobio calls him out for. Um, but yeah, very, very pivotal scene because very big moment for Autobio, who's previously scared to shoot someone. Now she did it. Um, I want to talk now about... Uh, so, oh yeah, so while this is happening, vigilante purposely <laughs> gets himself thrown in jail. I he like grabs a garbage can. and starts just this destroying windows. So the cops, yeah, take him. he
0: goes to the back of the prison where all the guards are having their like <laughs> m- lunch break or smoke break. And yeah. he hefts up. And then after he does it, he pleads with them. I just injured my pinky toe. Don't be, be, be gentle on it. Um, mm-hmm. and then they bring him into jail, uh, because Autobio convinced him to go kill. Um, uh, peacemaker's dad and this is where i think i have my favorite one of my favorite moments for the entire episode because Vigilante knows that Cena's dad is a racist piece of shit yeah um yep. he he sits down at the table and interviews or tries to interview the white dragon and his fellow mm-hmm. white uh master race cronies about their favorite contributions think, to american culture i think, culture dude, I think black America. at
1: that table <laughs> but go on Sorry. This is We yeah, uh, oui.
0: uh, uh, three people. Three people understand that reference, but uh, let's continue. Okay, your audio went out there for a second, but it's good. It's um, Sorry. hopefully it'll be good, and uh, we'll figure it out in post. Um, but yeah, um, Axel Tischel Jr. and Dieter and Günther and um, mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard were all at that table, and uh-huh. um, yeah, no, it's uh, weird, and um. He explains that rock and roll is entirely owed to black, black Americans. And, um, before that, and that starts a fight. Um, Al, he also makes a reference to, um, people taking liberties with one of these, uh, white supremacist, uh, mother. Um, mm-hmm. that's the right way to phrase it. Um, but. This fight breaks out, but in the meanwhile, the um, Argus crew is resetting, basically, uh, Vigilante's record to, like, get him out of jail. And eventually, Vigilante is brought out. Um, uh, Yeah, Magan brings it up. Um, We might talk a little bit about the name change. Um, I have an idea. We'll talk about... We'll we'll get to that in a moment. Um, Yeah. Maybe. Um, But so, basically this is a moment that like I hardcore and out bio have a conversation or sort of heart to heart about shooting people. Um, mm-hmm. But from this moment on hardcore seems a little bit more sullen than I expected. And it's kind of odd throughout the entirety of it. And um, it's an interesting flip. Yeah. We, we realized she
1: there, she might have a softer side to her than we, than we initially realized. Yeah. And it's very,
0: Uh, but she brings up, she gets um, vigilante out of jail, and vigilante is very sad and like crying on the car ride home. And I think, I think that's what is making hardcore feel, in um, so emotional. Um, Yeah. But, um, but everybody, everybody hurts now because then vigilante, Cena visits hardcore at the bar, um. He asks her about his <laughs> record with his dad. He compliments her not in a sexist way, according to Peacemaker. Um, and yeah. then we get the biggest moment of the episode, arguably, when Peacemaker uh, lights up a bong at home. And oh, also we forgot to mention earlier, he's kept a butterfly from there from the end of episode three yeah. in a jar, like a like a like a, a freaking. Like, he, it's, which, it, yeah. it, it's like he, he took one of those, um, glow, um, what are they called? What are those, like, light bugs? Oh, I know what you're talking about. But,
1: yeah, he's got a butterfly in a jar, which yeah, he- I guess saw Black Glass Widow.
0: Watch. It's the bugs that were in Black Widow in, like, the beginning and ending, and it's, like, gonna yeah. kill me. Um, But, no, he's, he's held on to one, and it's like- Showing that Peacemaker either is dumber or smarter than we think he is, because he's mm-hmm. he's still very much this inquisitive weirdo about like he's not sure who he can trust, um, yeah, and he's interrogating it all. And while t- after taking this bong rip, um hardcore. Yeah, t- can we just talk it, about yeah. how he hot boxes the butterfly? That was, yeah, <laughs> he blows, like, uh, clearly there's, he's got breathing holes in the top of the jar. Yeah, they, they don't show us those explicitly, which is my, my, one of my weird issues with this episode. But, um, hardcore had told him, um, your dad trained, you, what was in your father, what was in your file? Your father trained you to kill at a young age, and I think she mentions his brother? Yes, yeah. And then peacemaker has these visions Mm -hmm. of course while he's like the weed is making him process stuff yeah
1: so you see he's having flashbacks to his little brother brother, we realize i I don't know if we still fully understand how his brother died but we get we see some of those moments um and yeah he's just reflecting on all these really sad parts of his life while very high and it's also just a larger closing montage we see kind of everyone we see how everyone's in kind of a sad spot right now. You know, Adebayo ignoring her fiance or her wife. Um,
0: you know, she's found I, a see, clue. It's, yeah. Um, and I think in the preview for next episode, Autobios found basically a clue to where the butterflies are mm-hmm. working or hiding out somewhere. Um, yeah. And, but sorry, continue.
1: No, that's it. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Like I think the I think the song that's playing is House of Pain. Um I forget by who, but it's I thought it was a really effective, kind of somber way to close this episode. It's like everyone's kind of reflecting on the bad things they've done and gone through. Um and, you know, just when we think that's it, I believe it's uh
0: was it Myrn
1: and hardcore on the phone together before we get the big reveal?
0: Uh bio. Or, or yeah. It was Autobio found yeah. the um I know I always found the clue to what's going on with um, mm-hmm. the way they are. And so she calls up Murn to talk to him about it. And all the while, Murn's been sad and watching a, a movie that I don't remember the name, which movie it was. But you can sort of tell you could. They showed us enough of the movie. But he's also been pl- like holding up a jar. Mm. And that was yeah. figured it out. But I didn't remember it in time until yep. the very end of the episode, where the jar turns out to be. Yep, Myrn is a butterfly because he's drinking the nectar of the butterflies too. Mm-hmm. Yep, we see the big reveal just like with the the family in
1: the previous episode. That that big old tongue comes out. And he's he's licking that big bowl like a big butterfly boy. Um, but yeah, very. Uh, it was. It was again. I, I did enjoy this episode. It was uh, very, set up a lot of interesting things. Had a lot of really, I thought, like still very hilarious, but also a lot of very uh, emotional, somber moments. And I just, I need to reiterate how much I loved Vigilante in the prison scene. Like that fired me up so much. Him, him just calling them out for being just racist pieces of trash, and the way he, you know, he, the way he had, you know, we. we we they established vigilante as kind of this cowardly little kid, but he was like a complete badass in the scene and had zero fear and actively wanted to get get to a fight with these very this very powerful racist. Um, so he really earned my uh yes yeah, he had he had zero miedo right there.
0: Um, Morgan, he really earned my magan points he really out lethal weapon for,
1: Oh, good. Weapon for Thank the you,
0: TV. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's vigilante. He didn't get to kill this episode, but he killed this episode. Um. I guess it's a very good time was had by all. Um, And so we have that's sort of the end of the episode. And that means and that's sort of what I think is sort of the neat part about these scenes of. um, Yes. Much like Magen, we are all here for vigilante fucking up racists. And so um, also the auto completes. I wanted to share this earlier. I forgot. Can you walk without toes? a big toe, kneecaps, and then a pinky toe. So, Vigilante, is his SEO isn't perfect, but he's getting there. Um, He's in the top terms. But, um, you know, uh, it's, I think it's a very good episode, as you said, it was a necessary episode in a way because it helped do more character stuff. Um, It helped set up, establish more of what Peacemaker knows about his father, like the fact that peacemaker is aware that his father's a racist um and it sets up the um helps com- make it more obvious what they're doing with the character arc for peacemaker because we are here to see this chode grow and um <laughs> i can't believe this show it's um, I, and, and,
1: yeah it's crazy that we're we're so we're halfway through this series now uh four episodes to go but yeah i think uh, these four episodes i think they've accomplished a whole lot and i am uh yeah, very excited to see where they go next. I mean, it, you know, it feels like it feels like this is building to like a big confrontation with White Dragon as the big bad, but now that Mern is a butterfly, that throws a big wrinkle into things. So very excited to see how this all plays out.
0: Yeah, I, I okay. So we've had two fights between Peacemaker and Judo Master, so we're setting up for the rubber match because you could say that Peacemaker took round two, so you're setting up for the. Um, And then Vigilante didn't get to fight White Dragon, so that'll be at least... But, of course, Peacemaker will probably have to save him to show that he does care about him to sort of make up for the torture-toe torture. Um, And I I assume the Argus gang versus Myrn might be a thing. Um, Next week's episode showed uh, the Argus gang going into the plant where um, the honey seems to be made so we have that to look forward to which almost seems a bit soon um but you know um and
1: on that one one, important one important question for you henry before we sign off did you let the did you let the intro scene play upon upon every rewatch of this episode
0: you mean the um the the music the music yeah yeah no no the the the, uh, sorry the um opening credits you always yeah. let the, Tron the opening roll. credits. Yeah. opening okay, credits. Yeah. The only thing I ever press skip on um, is whatever HBO Max is promoting before the episode. Oh, I, I hate that so bad. Yeah.
1: I don't need commercials in my in my paid. Uh, yeah. Service. It, like, there are anyway. That's tiers. a whole other. No,
0: no, no. We're in the no, no. Uh, there is a there is an unpaid HBO Max tier, and we're still getting an ad. Yep. But this is just like how the WWE Network was supposed to be ad free, but uh, it turned out uh, not. Uh, but, hey, uh, companies can't be taken for their words. Surprising. Um, before we go, um, this might get edited out. Who knows? But, um, Mike, if you had to describe one word, and as, as, we're going to keep it short, well, your reaction to Walter did not win this match, Gunther won this match, what did you think? One word. Uh... Why son, I want... <laughs> of a. son of a was mine? Um, all one word because just like
1: so, so yeah, for those that are still with us, this is just the, the, the two minutes of wrestling talk. Um, the one thing I just want to say on that is this, this the first time ever? Because all right, this we've been watching WWE forever, watching wrestling forever. Yeah. Characters get renamed, repackaged all the time, usually they disappear for a bit. There's some promos leading up to it. This is the first time I've ever seen a character straight up win a match
0: and just say, oh, by the way, this is my new name now.
1: Yeah. I almost, um, re- I, <laughs> I
0: almost respect the... the, the uh, there's a few things about this. I think we're going to get it again soon, to be honest. Um, it yeah. feels like they're setting up Dewdrop to actually go back to Piper Niven. Um, Which would be a good decision. Because I think yeah. they've actually copyrighted Piper Niven recently or trademarked it. Um, yeah. Yeah, Magen says MFR was his reaction in the moment. Um, no, I think, um, this is the first time I've seen anything like this. Um, this is also the first time I think that somebody has appeared on main roster and NXT and then changed their name, except for Duke Hudson. Um, (laughs) because the, uh, whatever he was before he was a poker, the world's worst poker player, he did have a raw appearance, um, as, um. He was Brendan Vink. Yeah, uh, it was or, the Vink. Yeah. He was the Vink. Brendan Vink did show up on Raw. So, but then again, Brendan Vink didn't set records in the company for title reigns. So that's the like the canonical like. I'm just I, scared to see what they do to Pete Dunne. Um, you mean Petey Uh, Petey Knuckles. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I, Joey. Joey. Joey Fingers. Uh, I don't know where he's. I don't know what company you put. Pete Dun- I don't know where he ends up because, like, well, the good thing at least, at least they gave you know they killed him canonically on
1: TV, so he could come back as uh, it'll make more sense when he comes back as something else. He'll rise out of the
0: coffin with with some cool name as one of um, Tony D'Angelo's new. Um, when they have when they <laughs> yeah. when they have the art when they have the Army of the Dead two zombie match, you could have Pete Dunne come back there. The um, new
1: the new some a new European faction is forming. We got Italy, England
0: the league of nations
1: 2022 yeah. um yeah. but on
0: that note uh we're gonna end this part of the chat um probably next week we'll talk about what we did tonight because um mike and i are gonna see each other irl for the world on gcw at the hammerstein ballroom so we will yeah. talk to you guys, all of y'all later yeah Now i was gonna say if you guys are watching live and you
1: happen to be going to hammerstein tonight definitely say hi but uh yeah, Very excited, it's gonna be a very good day of wrestling, and
0: you will hear all our thoughts about it probably next week. Uh, as always, uh, Mike is at Ghost Tour Rocks on social media. I actually have that now in the graphics. Um, and uh, you can find his work on CNN underscored mine on Tom Asa's guide. And uh, yeah, that was Files episode four. Uh, Files season two episode two covering peacemaker episode four thank it's, you magan yeah um you'll we'll be back next yeah. week um with peacemaker episode five whatever it's titled looking forward to what ha- what happens next and how we learn more about, about what the hell are these butterflies so on that on that note see you later mike peace out